You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast uh, bye week edition. One second. We are on bye week, so we are cracking cold ones. We are having fun here with our mustaches as we are now on day eight of our Movember charity drive. We'll check in on them in a second, but first let's introduce everyone. And we are going to be getting very quickly to the Lions coverage as well as the Lions deal with the bye week here. But first, I'm Christopher Fett your adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, the man who runs the pride of Detroit POD cast and gets everything together and snapped together like Lego bricks. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, Chris. Um, nice and, and rested as much as I can be during a football. You didn't season. watch any football. Did you? Uh, I didn't cheated a little bit. I you didn't cheated? watch a ton and I no. was kind of excited to watch Matthew Stafford in primetime last night. And then I turned uh, off after the first <laughs> half. <laughs> that didn't work out. That didn't work out at all. Oh no. Um, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Actually my current template, because we've been doing a different recorder doesn't have the rock God drops. So Ryan Matthews, the rock God at Ryan underscore POD. Can I just drop it? Can I just, Pull. We, we we have a new Limp Biscuit album out. So yeah, sure. Go ahead. Maybe I should Black just is the mother rock God. But to say we've got to update it now. Now with the new album out, it should be Ryan Matthews dad vibes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't even, hello. Hello. Welcome to the POD cast. Uh I will say that by far. By far and large, this past weekend was the worst weekend I had sports gambling as as a you got killed gambler. Vegas had to have made an absolute killing. How many how many people do you think they took to the ringer on that Bills Jaguars game? Not including me or what? (laughs) Uh, On on just just you, it was a killing. I I imagine all those people who are like, "Hey, you get." $50 $50 credit on DraftKings, and we're going to give you bills minus, you know, bills plus, I don't know. All you need is Josh Allen to score one touchdown. One touchdown. And we'll give you <laughs> you talking about the other Josh Allen, maybe? Uh, real quick, let's get close in. If you're live watching us on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, where we record the POD cast live, that's right. We're not one of those dingy podcasts where like, wait, stop, do over. I want to do it over. No, we do it live but we're going to get close in on our mustaches. This is day eight of Movember. And we are still raised in the first half of our month. We're still raising money for prostate cancer foundation. And look at this. Let's take out Jeremy. Jeremy was the, was the big winner last year, but he's off to a slow start right now. He's going to have to work really hard to get up to 2020 uh, levels of must of insane mustache. 
myself. Am I doing better than Ryan? I feel like I'm doing a little bit. You're doing better than Ryan. You're doing better than Ryan. When was the last time you shaved? Be honest. The 31st. Okay. Yeah. Same, same for me. And, um, I'm following the rules. Mine is kind of gone a little wild. It's itchy. I hate it. Yeah. It's, I we're used definitely to have a prime itchy phase right now. And I don't like it. This is, this is the under like people we're living in a very heavy facial hair era, but I think people forget it sucks growing facial hair for the first time. I think people have asked me to like cut this thing before. And I tell them like, once I cut this, that's not coming back. I'm talking about my goatee, like this thing, like I'm not going through that itchy phase again. <laughs> but the whole reason we're doing this, by the way, raising money for two awesome charities, the Prostate Cancer Foundation. We are raising money through the 15th. Then after that, Rain, uh, which is one of the biggest anti-sexual violence um, organizations in America. That will start on the 16th. Right now, as of recording this, we are just over the $2,200 mark, which means we're less than 300 away from the Wheel of Pain first spin of, of the charity drive, which if you're listening to the podcast... You don't get to see, but if you're watching us live here on Twitch, you will get to see if it happens today, later this week. We'll, we we'll also see. we also have people starting to redeem uh, donation rewards to mute hosts for yes. one minute, and if that happens, that is that can happen during a podcast. That will be reflected in the podcast proceedings, in the podcast recordings. So be ready for that. At some point, you might about to get the most incisive thought on the Lions from Jeremy that you could possibly imagine. The hottest inside scoop, and it will be muted by some asshole. (laughs) Some generous asshole, by the way. Very generous (laughs) asshole. An incredibly generous asshole. That's only $80, by the way. They're not even that generous. That's worth it, depending on who you choose to mute. Uh, it's always worth it for me. Anyway, <laughs> Lions time. Do we really like I this is the moment I've been dreading to actually have to talk about the Lions again. Chris, we got we got two more months of this, my friend. We I know get- <laughs> we are in the we are now officially in the second half of the month. Yeah, we have a very even 18 weeks means right now, Monday, the second half begins, baby. And it happens with. The Lions looking around and ask themselves if they want help. The big news from the weekend, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, actually, last week, excuse me, Odell Beckham Jr. being released by the Cleveland Browns. He went through waiver wire. He's been going through waiver wires. I think now on Monday he has cleared. Is that right, Jeremy? Nope. nope. No, um, no. It's it, it be it's officially processed today. Waiver claims must be in by noon on Tuesday, Tuesday. and we'll know by 4 p.m. if anyone has has been awarded him. But Maybe it then. does not seem like Dan Campbell is interested. He was out in front of the media today, and he said that he's not really on the radar. For, he's not really on the radar for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, no, I mean, he straight up said no when asked if they were interested in, and th- that, that was literally his only, it was a one-word answer, and then, uh, you know, another reporter kind of, asked why and basically said like listen when that when there's a player available we are going to consider everybody as long as the situation is right but me and brad were on the same page here no not going to happen and i know this is going to ruffle some feathers and i think it'll ruffle less feathers when tuesday comes and no one has claimed him because that's what everyone thinks is going to happen and the reasons for that are simple He's very costly. He's over seven and a half million, I think, is, is, is the salary that's still due for whatever team gets him. The Browns also restructured his contract in that 
there's no more two, two more remaining years after this year. It's just this year. You're getting a nine game rental on Odell Beckham jr. And he is in the lion's case. He has specifically said that he only wants to play for a contender. So he comes here, he costs too much money. The lines don't even have that much cap space and doesn't want to play here. You, you can't turn it. You can't trade him next off season because he, the, the Browns basically made it so that teams like the lions won't claim him. And that's by design, right? They're, they're helping out Odell in a way that also benefits them because they get some financial kick kickback. And so the Odell Beckham situation was pretty much dead from the beginning for the lines, even though they have the number one priority in the waiver list. Um, but now it is, is made extremely dead, not only by the Browns basically, you know, adjusting his contract, making him unclaimable, um, but the line straight up went out and said, we're not going to claim him. So OBA J dreams dead. Are you okay with that, Ryan? Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Um, but first I want to uh, discuss real quick. Why haven't we, and I saw this um, on your Twitter feed. Why haven't we made it a thing where teams can trade their spot in the waiver wire for draft picks? <laughs> right. <laughs> like that, that, that should have been instituted like yesterday. Um, because maybe that would help deter like some of this stuff happening, you know, like where the Browns can, you know, do this kind of a move to deter teams like the lions from, you know, being interested in using their waiver, their waiver claim to grab him. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think the Odell thing makes a lot of sense from, you know, all the reasons that you listed Jeremy. And I think people who see Odell and they say, well, that guy is going to be an immediate improvement on the wide receiver room. I don't think anybody would argue that in terms of talent, but you just have to consider the fit. And then the other part of the fit is if he didn't feel like he was getting enough looks his way in Cleveland from Baker Mayfield, what makes you think that he's going to get enough looks from Jared Goff. It makes things he can be used by Jared Goff. He's not going to target Odell downfield. I, I, he, part of what makes Odell such an incredible threat is, is his ability to stretch the field vertically. Um, at least when, you know, he was with the New York giants, but you know, I, the other thing with Odell is like, is it a sure thing that you're getting? Like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think, I think injuries have, have really, have really hampered his ability. And I mean, I'm hoping the best for him, but I just don't get why there's this clamor for like, ah, oh, like this is what losing organizations do. They don't get players like o- Odell. It's like, kind of seems like it's the opposite here. Right. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I had a conversation over the weekend with Bucky Brooks, who was kind of pumping. He wasn't like bashing the lines, but he was like, what, you know, think about the lions. What about, wouldn't you want to get, you know, another generational, you know, wide receiver who could start and do a lot of things. But, you know, I think the point I pushed back on him with that is that the lions aren't really going to be contending. And when you're looking for a guy, you're going to want some guy who's going to buy in long-term which isn't what Odell's here to do. He wants to go play for a contender. As Jeremy points out, it's structured properly so that he can pass through waivers and then sign with whoever he wants if they are interested, which seems to be the case. I think Browns even, you say, you know, Browns made him untouchable, but again, I think that's a favor towards Odell to make him oh, untouchable yeah. so he can go through the waivers. Absolutely. That goes to the yeah. team he wants to go to. Absolutely. And I, I push back on like, the, the one thing I do push back on an Odell is that I hear too many people lately calling him a diva wide receiver again, which I mean, okay. I don't know what's going on with his father posting the clips of Baker Mayfield <laughs> not targeting him. But at the same time, everything you hear about Brown's locker room is like, this guy just comes in, shuts up, does his work and, and goes home, which is what you want out of a wide receiver. I don't, I don't think there would have been a problem with, with OBJ coming to the lions 
in another year, but I think it's, as you say, like the money doesn't work. The situation the, doesn't work. The lions aren't contending. You're it's yeah. I guess the, uh, I I'm, I'm kind of with you and also against you because like, I do think that he's not the diva that he used to be or, you know, the, but, it, but at the same time, like you want to go play for a contender. The Browns are doing pretty good right now. Like they're not, they're, they're not, not. I I don't think the Browns are doing good, Jeremy. They're, they're not. What, they're five and four. Like they're 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 in position where they can they can win the division, make good playoffs, all that sort of stuff. His his complaint is that he's not getting the ball enough, which to me is kind of selfish, right? Like that's not. I, I understand it, and I think if if you think you're that talented of a player and you deserve the ball, I get it. But I mean, you're in you're in a decent situation where just wait your turn. And he's not. So, I mean, that sort of attitude was never going to fly with Detroit anyway. Yeah. I just, I just don't see the Browns to be the contender you are regardless of their, their, they might have a, a slightly above 800 record right now, but like I test wise is the team that is really kind of struggling. And look, if he's got some problems with Baker, then all the more reason to go find, you know, a way out, not only a way out, but then also to go compete. Well, that's the, the last thing that I, I want to say about Odell is kind of back, you know, piggybacking on Jeremy's point, but, you hear all these teams that would potentially be interested or should be interested in Odell. And it's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's like they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and like, Antonio it, it, Brown. Well, yeah. I mean, when he's not injured, cause he's yeah. looks like he's a little banged up right now, but like the, the point with standing is like, why would he want to go to a team where he's going to be buried on the depth chart again in terms of targets or something like that. So like, it seems like he has a very, specific team he's looking for a team that's in contention but doesn't have a number one wide receiver which is maybe like the baltimore ravens question mark i mean but like i I don't know like i don't it, it, it the odell thing is is very strange i i would i would venture to to say that odell beckham jr whichever team he goes to doesn't end up moving the needle no it's hard for it's hard for a wide receiver to move the needle to begin with but the they standard. should, they feel like they're such, it, it feels like such an important position where if you have a really elite guy like Devonte Adams, it changes that. But like, it doesn't seem like Odell is that guy anymore. So that's, yeah. Guess, that's if, if there's one thing we've learned this season, it's that the lack of a wide receiver is definitely more, <laughs> maybe, maybe more impactful than having a good one. It, it, it's, but, but at the same time, you look at what's going out there. There's not a lot of teams where it's like, this is the number one target like prime, like there's guys like CD lamb and Devonte Adams, but a lot of those good teams out there have multitude of receivers rather than just one. And if you're a bet and if you don't have one to begin with and getting one doesn't change your fortunes either too much. All right. I feel like we're talking way too much. Yeah. About we're talking Odell too Beckham much for a guy this. that I've never had a chance of even being a lion. <laughs> but well, it's, it's, he, it's the hot- this is actually his second chance, but <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We don't know. Ryan, Jeremy, it's about winning culture and about getting the winners to come in. So all that awful stuff. But, Let's talk about Taylor Decker. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I was just going to like kind of move that into like, that was kind of one of our, one of our main topics. We're trying to figure out like the biggest questions remaining facing this team. One of them was, can they find help anywhere? Odo Beckham was no, I don't think there's any other free agents. And then the other sources, the practice squad, which is also kind of a no-go. Like you're kind of stuck. Yeah, there's, the whole major there's point of that stuck. whole section was just like supposed to be, Lions are stuck with the guys they got. Let's see how they play. And and they're yeah. stuck with the guys they don't have. Like losing Tyrell Williams was something that like, True. I mean, I think what that's what fueled a lot of the OBJ stuff, but Tyrell Williams, it just sounded like was not going to be much of a return this year. 
Yeah. And Campbell talked about him a little bit today and basically said he's getting better, but like there was just not really much of a chance of him doing anything here. And so there was a mutual decision to, to split there. And obviously, I mean, it doesn't really impact the roster at all because the dude was on IR, which is why it's funny to me is that everyone's like, Oh, they released Tyrell Williams. Here comes OBJ. It's like, no, there's still 53 guys on the roster. That does, that's not how that works. Yeah. If, if anything else, this probably means more for Amon Ross St. Brown, who I know looking at a rundown, we have him slated to talk about a little bit more. Yeah. We'll um, talk about him in a bit. Yeah, let's 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 save Decker for a second. But like as far as other pieces that we keep thinking about on where Lions are looking for help, I feel like the next big topic is unfortunately it's back to quarterback again. And we talked about it, I think, a few weeks leading into this about, you know, look, Jared Goff gets benched out for David Blau to end the game against the Eagles. And I think we had speculated on the podcast a few weeks ago about whether or not this team would look towards Tim Boyle in the bye week. And uh, Dan Campbell today on Monday said there's no plans to go to the backup. So, Jeremy, I guess I ask you, as far as quarterback help, do the Lions intend to finish, try to run the rest of the season with Jared Goff? I, I think so. Yeah, I think I think there's there's no question about it. I, they like Tim Boyle a lot and, and the big, big quote, I'm putting big in quotation marks because backup quarterback news in Detroit is always quote unquote big. Um, he's Tell returning to practice. Baby. Tim Boyle's returning to practice, so it seems like he's probably going to come off IR fairly soon once they get him ready to go. And they, I'm pretty sure they view him as a backup. Um, so I, there, there's not a competition there. And and yeah, Campbell said, I think it was actually last week on on 97.1 where he said, you know, we're, we're not even considering going to a backup. And I don't really see a point in doing it either. Like Tim Boyle isn't a guy that you're going to groom to become your starter. Um, David Blau certainly isn't that guy either. So I don't know what going to another guy accomplishes unless you think that they're better than Jared Goff. And if you think Tim Boyle or David Blau is better than Jared Goff, then you don't remember the preseason. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's there, there's another part to it. And I don't think that anybody wants to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyways. The golf restructure keeps him for at least another year, right? Yeah. Yep. Like he's going to be in Detroit next year. Yep. Benching him right now, mid-season, I think eliminates any opportunity that he plays meaningful football next year. And I am not completely ruling out the fact that Jared Goff will be the starting quarterback again next year. Like even if the Lions go out and they do something in the draft or something like that, like I or free I think agency, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a distinct possibility that the Lions don't want to bench this guy when I because I think the point is too is like he's he, yes, he doesn't have a ton of help around him, but I think benching him now, it I mean that that it's gonna be a long off season. And yeah, I don't know, getting 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 everybody to buy back in around a guy that you benched eight games or nine games or ten games into the season. I, and I, I yeah, I'd I don't with, I don't see them burning all that golf stock like that. I, I'd go as far as to say I feel like there's like a 70 to 80 percent chance he's a starter week one, regardless of what they do this offseason. Like if they if they draft a rookie, like I think they're gonna try to take it slow. They you know, Anthony Lynn wanted to take Justin Herbert slow last year. And I, th I think that's I mean, you look across the league, that's what most teams are doing now. And and when you have a guy that's taking up 30 some million of your cap room. You're gonna get. You're gonna use him kind of as a luxury to to ease in your quarterback, so you don't hurt him. You'd have to go out and get someone in the offseason, like I don't know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
or maybe like uh, not even to, I think Ridley? Tyrod Taylor, Teddy? Tyrod Taylor would be a backup. I don't know about what Teddy would be, to be honest. I think Teddy might still, that would be, <laughs> that's a, that's a rough question. Do you want Teddy Bridgewater or do you want uh, Jared Goff? I know right now the grass doesn't look that green, but I'm just saying. Did you see what Teddy just did to the Cowboys? I know. This weird. This, baby. This, this week is so weird, man. He held them scoreless. He held the Cowboys offense scoreless through the first 55 minutes he, of that he game. He personally did that. He, the quarterback, did that. <laughs> yes. Yes. The duels between quarterbacks and quarterbacks directly. I, you know, but I, I'm with, I'm with you guys there. It's, I, I, I don't, I, I know the fans need to be placated in some way, but I think you have some plausible deniability with how bad the receiver core has been as to like, well, you will want to see a little bit more of what we have in golf, but it's a tough onion to unpeel as far as how much is it golf? How much is it the system? How much is the wide receivers? I still think a lot of that blame goes on golf, but you know, as you say, like this is all kind of a work in progress. You can't really burn that bridge right now. Yeah. But- I mean, the, the other challenge here, though, is like they have to find improvement, though. Like you can't yes. just run Jared Goff out there for nine more games and have them score 10 points a game. Like something needs to improve. Otherwise, you're not going to, you know, improve the, the confidence of this locker room like you would. You know, I mean, you, you pull the guy or you have him run out there and, and score six points a game. It's all the same. Like no one's going to go into 2022 with any confidence in the guy. So the question is, what do they do? And we got at least a little bit of a sneak peek of that today with Dan Campbell again, you know, he mentioned it right after the the Eagles loss, like I'm on Ross St. Brown seems like maybe a, a guy that they plan on focusing a lot. And, and interestingly enough today, talking to him on I asked him like, well, someone had mentioned like, Hey, you know, Dan Campbell said, you know, we're trying to get you more involved. He's like, cool. That that's awesome. I like that. And I asked him, did they tell you what they're going to do? And he said, yeah, like he, he actually told me the answer, which was kind of, um, again, transparency that I'm not used to hearing says I'm going to play more outside receiver. And that to me is very interesting because it shows that to me tells me that he's probably wide receiver two now. And then when they go into three wide receiver sets, he's the slot guy again. And so that's significant because this team has been really searching for that wide receiver two for a very long time. You know, since Tyrell Williams has been out, it's not Geronimo Allison. It's not Trinity Benson. It's not Kaderil Hodge. They've tried all three of those guys. So it sounds like now it's, it's Amon Ra and he's getting a chance. And I mean, he's been probably the best receiver that they have. You, you could argue maybe Khalif Raymond, but um, we'll, we'll see how he responds to that. Maybe. And, and this is something that Eric posed on, on our website. Maybe this means we're not going three wide too much anymore. Maybe it means two, two tight end sets. Maybe it means two running back sets. Maybe they're just, Hey, we don't have wide receivers, so let's put less out there. And we kind of like our tight ends. We we have a couple of good backs. Maybe that just means putting better personnel out there in general. And and I'm I can get aboard that. Two tight ends that might be a little more difficult after they have dis- agreed to waive Darren Fells, though. True. So that that might become. Uh, is there even another tight end they can go to on the roster? They brought up Brock Wright. They're, they're right. rookie, rookie at a Notre Dame um, who's played the last two games and, and been primarily a blocker and been okay. Um, certainly better than expected, but um, not Darren Fells for sure. Not Darren Fells, not, a, not an extra receiving threat for a two tight end set. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan is Ryan is for, for the, for the, for those not on the visual medium versions of the POD cast, Ryan is grimacing and uh, showing his upper teeth. So I think that's a sign we sh- 
Go on. Just talking about Brock Wright, man. There's still nine. <laughs> We're improving the offense, Ryan. Addition by subtraction. And you know, the other way, and I'm going to tease the next, next segment, the other way you can improve golf's play and maybe the passing game overall is, in, is to improve the offensive line. And we got some news today that that might be coming. The cavalry is coming. The cavalry is coming, even though half of Detroit wants to trade him for mystery boxes. We're going to talk about Taylor Decker next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast bi-week edition. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, a lot of stuff happened during that break. We will have scraps up this week. I've been slacking off again with them, but Jeremy bit into a uh, onion because we hit $2,500 on donations. He We spun the wheel of pain. Jeremy has bit into a sweet Vidalia onion. He is burping nonstop. He's trying to wash it down with Porter. Everything is going wrong. Um, someone before the podcast donated $200. I have a reward on there that I think at the end of the month, maybe if we get enough by like fifth, the 15th, so we can split it between donations, but I don't think that'll happen. But either way, um, I'm going to be doing a mixed drink at the end, a suicide, an alcoholic suicide at the end of the month. And, um, someone has already requested that I add absinthe to it. So things are going great for us. Great. We are being, we are, good God. That was, that was nasty. That was really nasty. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be the same the rest of the podcast. Are, are we talking about, are we talking about Jeremy's gastrointestinals or are we talking about the Detroit Lions? Hey, oh, hmm. Jeremy, by the way, is trying to wash this down with Porter. I think it's making it worse. He's trying to do his best. He really is. You know who's also trying to do their best? Taylor Decker. He's back from the injury from the injury reserve. He's back. He's returning to practice this week. Once again, we are now back into the sorted, fetid question: what to do with Taylor Decker? Now, if you listen to other places in Detroit sports media, they might tell you, hey, let's just trade Taylor Decker. It's fine. We've got left tackle right now. I want more draft picks. I want more mystery boxes. Who knows? It could be even it could even be another tackle of Taylor Decker's caliber. No, no. Or it could be whether what side Taylor Decker is going to be start on. Dan Campbell has said that Taylor Decker is probably going to come back and practice and play at the left tackle position, which means that rookie Panay Sewell, who's had a good start to the year, but he's also had some down games as well is probably going to move over to the right side. Jeremy, if you can give your thoughts without burping, please, I give the floor to you. I'm not sure I can do that, Chris, but I will try. Um, it's interesting, right? It, it's, it's a legitimate conundrum here um, because it does feel like Penesul in the last couple of weeks has really kind of come on. You know, he had that big kind of confidence booster against the Rams where he went toe to toe with Aaron Donald played pretty well last week against uh, the, or, yeah, I guess last week against the, the Bengals as well. And so, you know, it, it it feels like a kind of poor timing to offset that and, and, and have him restart at right tackle. And, you know, I think you also have to be considering the future right now. Is Panay Sewell your future left tackle? Well, if he is, then you have to at least consider keeping him there and, and continuing to get those reps. 
But if Taylor Decker is your, your future left tackle, and to me, that's, I, I know some other people think, you know, maybe, maybe they change in the off season, maybe they change in 2023, whatever. But to me, like this, this is a clear sign to me that I think they want to keep it that way. I think they want to keep Decker at left tackle and keep Sewell at right tackle. And I don't know if that's a forever thing or until De- Decker's contract runs out, but to me, that's, I, they want to see what that looks like. And I have no problem with that. Um, I guess my problem is if, if Sewell is your future left tackle, why are you messing around and just get him there? And, and I guess it, maybe the answer is just, we know he's good at left tackle. Let's see if he's good at right tackle. And if that's the case, fine, that's okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw a fit about it because I understand there, there are benefits to both and, and drawbacks to both. Um, I'm just kind of eager to see what it looks like that that's where my main feeling. It's not like anger. It's like, Let's see how this works. Yeah, I, 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 uh, the the consternation from people that it's going to somehow mess up his development seems ridiculous to me. Like, I get maybe long term, you don't want to hold him at a position he's not used to, but if he is as good of a player as you say, then like, I get that transitioning to right tackle is difficult, but I don't think it's impossible for him if he's that skilled. And clearly, the Lions didn't think that either, um, because. Truth be told, and and this is this is not me running a victory lap by any means. Okay, um, but I want I want Panay Sewell to be come just. Up again? I want Panay Sewell to be just as good as Rashawn Slater. Okay, but a legitimate question is if if you knew that Taylor Decker was going to be your your guy on the left side, which that contract indicated he was, you had to have you had to have so much certainty that Panesul was going to work out at right tackle, no matter what. And I'm not saying that he can't work out at right tackle because potentially he could, right. It's just, maybe he just needs more reps at it. But my, my thought process is, is like, how, how can you, how can you think about taking Sewell when that other alternative was there, when you knew it was just going to be a plug and play. And I, I'm, I want to see it play out, but this is the thing is that Decker coming back, he has to play on the left side. Like Decker just has to come back and play left tackle. Like Sewell has to go play right tackle because that's what's going to be for the good of the team over the next like two, two seasons. I think like, I, I don't think you're getting rid of Taylor Decker anytime soon. Right. <clears throat> I could see maybe them trying out Taylor Decker next year at right tackle, but I wouldn't ask him to come back from injury and also change his natural position. Right. I think that's part of the calculus on why you're moving Sewell, who has taken snaps in the preseason, to go to right tackle. I agree with that for sure. It, it it's just, uh, man, I, I I can see that with a with a player of, and I think this is a good example. But when Taylor Decker came into the league, Riley Reef was the team's left tackle, and he swung over and played the right side. That's because that was Riley Reef. I think that Taylor Decker is a much better tackle than Riley Reef was. So I don't think anybody can just come in and displace the guy, right. especially when he's played so well for so long at left tackle. And um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Like I, he, you're better with both of them, right? Like you don't right. have Matt Nelson on exactly. the field. That's yes. the most important thing. Yeah, yes. That's, that's, think, that's the key part. That, yes. That is important to bring up because he has been brutal the last few weeks, including against the worst the tackle game. in the NFL. Um, yeah. And, and it, I, I think what's interesting to me, it was Dan Campbell today talking about it and he seems very, very confident in Sewell on the right. And I, I want to read his quote because it's, it's, it's pretty like he's not going to struggle. It, it, it's quote, I think he'll go over there and he won't miss a beat. 
it'll be a little odd, but I also know that he's got enough reps over there. And look, he's a damn good athlete and he's a professional. He wants to win. He wants to win his reps. So I think he'll go over there and just do and do just fine. Yeah. Maybe he's right. I think maybe that's what you have to say if you're Dan Campbell, but at the same time, like if you have faith in the guy, then put the faith in the guy. Yeah. And, and I know that there are so many more people that are on Twitter that you can find um, that are doing O-line breakdowns and things like that. But what if, what if part of, you know, Panay Sewell just getting caught up to, to playing in the NFL was just being a 20 year old kid who like just was just getting caught up to the speed of an NFL game where I, no, no knock on the Pac-12, but like sometimes you might be able to take some plays off when you're Panay Sewell. And yeah, that, and Rashawn Slater, too, is also going to a more well-put-together unit. I mean, he's going to a unit where he's already been put in as a fit, and so of course he's going to play better in his first year with a better quarterback and a better offensive system. I think, I think it'll just be interesting to see because, you know, so many narratives were already put out there based on Panay Sewell's preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was at right tackle and a bunch of offensive linemen were like, he looks uncomfortable. He doesn't look natural. The second they put him at left tackle, he goes up against Nick Bosa and plays really well. But I think what people forget is like, then Sewell went through a bunch of struggles and some of it, the same stuff we saw at right tackle. So how much of yeah. that stuff at right tackle was just rookie getting his feet wet yep. comfortability. Th- totally. and yeah. how, how much was uncomfortability on the right side? We don't really know yet. All I know is that maybe judging a rookie based on their preseason Jamar chase uh, might not be a great idea. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's like, he's going to just, he's not going to look natural. He's going to look, his footwork's all going to be messed up. And and it's not easy. Like it's not easy to learn two things. And they've, they've certainly put a lot on Penesul's plate in his rookie season, but they, they drafted him that high for a reason. Like they have a lot of faith in this guy. He's a high character dude. He's a smart guy. And that athlete, he mentioned it in that, in that quote, he's a damn good athlete. And that's what that's why they got him above, I think, everything else is because that dude in space can maul people in the run game. And that's what they're looking to do. And now that they have two guys that are capable of doing that on the tackles, maybe the offense gets a little kick in the ass. Would be nice. Would be real nice to get a kick in the ass like that. Um, Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Another person returning from IR. uh, Well, no, sorry. Spin that back. Let's uh, let's move over to things we want to see kind of looking forward as we go here. So we're looking at young players here, and there's been some good ones to start out, but there's some there's some guys we probably want to see improve through the season. So let me pick pick this to you, Jeremy. Which young players or rookies do you want to see the most improvement from in the next half of the season? Yeah. So this is this is our goals section, right? Of the, of the goals. Yeah. Second Squad goals. Preview. Goals for the last nine games because. We all know playoffs is not one of the goals, but like you mentioned, I think Wait, improvement now, sorry. Um, improvement from the young players. I think that's maybe the biggest goal going forward. And, and yeah, so I, I think one of the most anticipated things, and, and it's not even certain it's going to happen is if Fatu Melifanu re- returning from IR he suffered the thigh injury in what week two, I think it was, or week three or whatever. Um, C- Campbell indicated that it's possible he comes back. He also said that it's possible he doesn't come back. But um, I think they were kind of circling around the bye week to to maybe when he starts at least practicing again. But listen, the, the future at cornerback is so up in the air right now with with no one knowing exactly what Jeff Okuda's future is going to be coming back from that Achilles injury. Jerry Jacobs is playing his ass off as an undrafted rookie, but is he a guy you want to be a starter? I don't know. Even even a guy like I, I know I know everyone loves him. I know everyone loves uh, 
I I almost said if if I too Um, why why there's too many? <laughs> Come on, get it out. Amani, thank you. Amani Oruarie. I don't think his spot as a starter is necessarily locked up long term in, in, in any way. So I want to see what Melifanu can do. I want to see um, what what they even do with him as an option. Is he is he your outside corner? Is he your nickel corner? They've been moving around so many parts that he's the guy that I am so eager to see in the second half of the season, maybe more so than any other young player on this roster. Yeah, I for for me specifically, I, I don't want to cheat and say a couple of guys, um, and not because just one of them is going to be on the podcast and Austin Bryant. But I, my original answer was Julian Oquara. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see kind of the developmental of of his game because we've seen it as a pass rusher. We've seen it when you know when he gets a chance to just line up and just go at the quarterback. Like the guy has the, he has the speed, he has the physicality, he has everything that you want from, from an edge rusher from that standpoint. I just want to see if he's going to be more of a player. And, and what I mean by that is to like diversify some of his game. Like he he's made some steady improvements, I think playing run defense. And I think that has come with the fact that we've seen his snap count go up like almost like each week. Like it's almost been like eight snaps to 16 snaps to like just the other day or, uh, you know, two weeks ago playing a full game, you know, 40, you know, playing, you know, 40 some odd steps and which is a, a lot for an edge rusher. And, um, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing whether or not, cause if you can get Romeo back and then you have Julian too, like, all right, now the lions do have some guys off the edge that they can really count on moving forward. For me. And it's been set up almost perfectly for him right now to see what we have with Terrell Williams, uh, you know, not coming back, but I'm on Ross St. Brown. I've been championing him since the start of the season, since before the start of the season, almost since he got drafted and quietly those numbers have been there. He's been, you wouldn't think it, but he's been getting a lot of targets thrown his way. So they clearly want to use him in the offense. And I feel like he's got a a chance to really show up. I know Campbell was talking today about, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, but kicking him outside and kind of using him more versatilely rather than just in the slot. So you're going to, and I know he's prototypically a slot guy, but you're going to see how versatile he is going forward. He's going to have a lot of time to uh, to kind of just be used and hope. And you, I, I'm not expecting a ton of big plays out of a rookie wide receiver, but there's a chance to get excited about someone. And the Lions could certainly have the uh, the the void at wide receiver where any kind of good play will stand out and will will go on your resume. No question. I mean, if Amon Ra can, can show up as an outside receiver, like I gotta say that fixes every problem, but it certainly fixes at least at least one problem that's ailing this offense. And and that that's I mean, that's the biggest I th- I think the biggest problem facing the lines right now is probably at wide receiver. Um but really quick, like the the other guys, like I, I think the two defensive linemen rookies, like I think those those guys I need to see a little bit more out of. And, and not that they're playing bad. I think Aleem McNeil is still playing pretty well. It's just the nature of a nose tackle. You're not going to get a lot of gaudy stats and a lot of gaudy highlights, but I want to see more out of Levi. Like, I feel like they've really taken it slow with him and we've seen flashes here or there, but it's not consistent yet. And I wouldn't really expect it to be consistent from a, from a guy as young as he was and a guy who missed uh, a, a year last year as well. But I, I want to see him get to a point where I'm like, 
I can't not watch him on every play because he's doing something on every play. He's, he's making someone miss. He's, he's providing pressure from the interior, which is something this line's defense has missed for a very long time and has continued to miss. So um, I guess if, if I could do a one B, it would be Levi Onzerike because I'm very, very intrigued by that pick. And I, I thought it was a good pick, but uh, you know, the fruits of it haven't really, um, uh, you know, grown yet. So he's my dude. Yeah. If I were to have one quick, one B as well. I would just throw out Jerry Jacobs. Like, I I mean, we, we've got like an incredibly small sample size. It was like a half of a first half of a season. Um, I mean, let, let's see what the kid can do down, down the stretch, especially, you know, you know, some games against Minnesota, you know, going up against top flight wide receivers, like, you know, you'll get another chance to, to play the Packers and maybe Devonte Adams and, you know, Justin Jefferson. There's so much talent in this, in this division. And, in this league that like, I mean, I think you can have a pretty good understanding of like how much of a contributor Jerry Jacobs can be like, you know, next year or moving forward. I think for me, the one B would probably be Derek Barnes. Sure. You could definitely use that help in the linebackers right now. I was even thinking, you know, I was even looking around like eyeballing Jalen Smith this week. And I decided like, probably not what I want for the lions, but either way, like as always linebackers need good ones. And Derek Barnes has uh, he's shown some flashes here and there. We just kind of want to see more, get more out of him, more consistency and more growth. Again, rookies need time to develop. Uh, all right. So we all have, I think, uh, resolutions here. We're going to do midseason awards for, for our third seg- segment. But real quick to close out this segment, uh, one, what is this? So what you, you have this written down here, Jeremy, it just says you each add one. So it's... Um, these are just things we want to see most out of the Lions going yeah, just, into the... Just what is a goal for you for the remaining goal, part of goal. the season? Yeah, mine, mine was the improvement of young players. What, what, do, you, what do you guys want to see? What, what, is, what is, if you're either running the Detroit Lions or even as a fan, like, what's, what's your goal? What is the one thing that, like, if the Lions can accomplish in the next two months, you're like, okay, I believe they're headed on the right path. Okay. Okay. I think I can... Let me, let me put mine out then first, if you don't mind, Ryan. Um, yeah, go ahead. I just don't no more Eagles games. I think that's an easy enough resolution. I know that it's the NFL and weird things happen. Here's the thing. And someone pointed this out, like while people are panicking, this was used. Someone pointed this out in the context of Dallas getting blown up by uh, the Denver Broncos or like the Rams being stimmied by the Derek Henry less Tennessee Titans that the NFL every year has weird games. No team is above taking an absolute bonkers loss, like outside of that, that one Patriot squad that almost went all the way. Like there's, there's very few teams out there that are just week in and week out. You know that they're going to beat X team for the lions. It's not that we don't know they're going to beat X teams, but I think we have this, expectation that they're just not going to get the doors blown off them, especially against a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. So you can maybe excuse one of them against a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think I want to see the lions in close games. We've always had this problem in Detroit where it's like they're beating teams that they're not supposed to beat and they're losing to teams. They're not supposed to lose to and looking down the schedule. Like I just, I don't know if I need wins out of the game, them against the bears and the Broncos, but close games would be appreciated. 
close games to show that you're not just completely checked out or just getting out schemed or run over. I think that's probably all I can really ask for at this point. I, yeah, I think that's a great answer. I mean, and I think I think the athletic talk podcast talked about this a little bit in that like Lions fans will I, I think have mostly accepted that this team isn't going to win a lot of games this year and 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 understand and like have forgiven mm-hmm. everyone within the Lions organization that's going to be bad. But if they play more games like that Eagles game, that shit isn't forgivable. Like you yeah. cannot you cannot put out a poor effort like that both in terms of the effort of the players and especially the effort of the coaches where they just got completely out-schemed, out-coached, out-smarted. That sort of stuff will will raise red flags. Like I'm like you said like one of those games, fine, throw it away. Like the Lions are coming back from and look, if they, trip. If, they threw if the they book get... at the at the Rams. The Eagles were desperate for a win. I can understand all the stars aligning for one week for that to happen. But if it continues to happen, then yeah, people are going to start questioning this coaching staff and rightfully so. And I'm not saying a blowout's not going to happen again. Like I'm looking at that Cardinals game and if they get blown out in that game, I won't bat an eye about that. Right. Even though the Cardinals will be traveling West to East, that Cardinals team is really, really good. But there's, there's some other teams on here that you shouldn't get, be getting blown out against. Like I said, Broncos, I said, Cardinals, like bears, you know, bears Vikings. Vikings, like you should be in those games. Yeah. Be yeah. in games that you're supposed to be in. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the perfect answer. Like I, I, you know, just something very similar to it is, is I, I just don't want them to ever seem like they showed up so unprepared or they seem so overmatched as they did in the Eagles game. Like the way that the Eagles ran the football against them was one of the most, like it, it was one of the worst losses I've seen. Like in Boston, Scott, in a while. Boston, Scott running over you. And now this week he's coming off a tough loss and complaining that he's getting his ass kicked in rocket league by 12 year olds <laughs> with a screen named Sugma Dick. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy said it the best though. And the reason why that game will stick with me for a while. And, and maybe he, here's another thing. Here's a short term, um, you know, goal or expectation that I have for the team is that they can't have this like hangover. Like they yeah. can't have another game like this happen in such close proximity. Cause I agree with you, Chris, like one of these games you can throw it away, but like if, if it happens again, like soon people are going to start to think it's a trend and, it, it, it's going to be so hard to dig yourself out of that. If you end up topping the season off by going 0-17, I couldn't care less about them going 0-17 because I think we're all on the same page of as long as they contend, right? You led me perfectly into a question that I'm actually asking the the, the pride of Detroit. It's going to be not a question of the day, but one of those things where we pull a, a specific part of the audience. I And I'm, I'm interested in what you guys, I think I just got Ryan's answer, but is, what is your priority for the Lions for the rest of the season? Is it between these two things, maintaining the number one overall pick or avoiding going 0-17? Which one is more important to you? Um, I would rather maintain the um, – look, we've done 0-16 before. Going 0-17 won't befront me. It'll suck like hell. Um, but – God, that's that's rough because I think we've even had yeah. questions about the first overall pick. Like, I think the way I'm looking at the first overall pick at this point is if it's if Thibodeau isn't like a surefire thing, it's going to be Jeremy's favorite time of the year. It's time to trade back. Can you word your question again, Jeremy? Sure. 
Well, actually, let's just play it out this way. Okay. Let's say the Lions are going into the last game of the season. The, oh, the, Jagu- the Jaguars played first. They're, they finished the season one in 16. The Lions are the Texans. The, the, the Jaguars Lions. have two wins. Sorry, the Texans. You're right. Over Jaguars won over the Bills last night. <laughs> that's still, I guess that still hasn't processed in my brain. <laughs> um, so the Texans are, are, they finished the season one in 16. The Lions are 0 in 16 going into that final game. They risk losing the first overall pick by winning, but by winning, they avoid going 0 in 17 in the first year of a rebuild. So in this, coach, in this, in this, manager. yeah, in this scenario, if they win that game, they will somehow leap fro- mm-hmm. like the Texans will leapfrog them yes. with the same record to go to the first overall draft, which pick. is likely because the Lions have such a hard strength of schedule. The the easier strength of schedule gets the the better pick. What are you rooting for on that on that week eighteen day? The the question was easier when you put it to Chris because I had an easier answer, but now you just made it so much more difficult with that yeah. hypothetical. I um. Man, so I can't, I can't go against my laurels where they're at originally because when we were kind of talking on Slack in like the week leading up to Taylor Decker returning from IR, mm-hmm. like we we were talking and I was like, literally, it's the only way that this team can maybe pull off a win. Like, is if they get Taylor Decker back on the field because, like you said, you get those two big maulers that are just going to clear for this run game. Maybe that wins you a game you know, in some bad weather, or maybe it wins you a game against a team that isn't ready to be physical that week because they haven't had their buy or something like getting Taylor Decker back. I wanted that to happen. I wanted them to activate t- Taylor Decker back from IR because he gives you the best chance to win. Right. So I can't be pro that and be, <laughs> and be against giving up the number one pick because I, d- I don't think it, I don't think it matters. Like Thibodeau, incredible player, incredible talent, probably will be a really good NFL player but I don't think you're missing out on the greatest thing in the world by having the second pick. Yeah. I think, I think even we've had some conversations about some of the other edge rushers that are going to be in this draft that, um, that if you miss out on Say Thibodeau, it. there's still going to be other options. Say it, Say it Ryan. Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. <laughs> but what if I see, I just don't think that there's a big drop off between taking Thibodeau one or taking Kenneth Walker, the third second. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but even still, like this is the perfect year as I, I keep alluding to it. It's also the perfect year in some ways, the perfect year to trade back and do Jeremy's favorite thing. But it also means that that first overall pick isn't going to command the same value. It usually does just because there isn't a team desperate. There's not going to be a quarterback that's going to make a team desperate enough to take the first overall pick off your hands. And even if there was the Lions should probably be taking that person. Hey, also here's the situation. Here's a way that I can push back on Jeremy's really tough hypothetical. The Texans (laughs) are probably going to be wanting to take a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could still get Thibodeau at two. Maybe. I mean, who knows? They're the Texans. Who knows what they're going to do, what they do with that first overall pick. Would you be okay that, hold on, hold on. Let me make this scenario even worse for Ryan. Let me say that the Texans, if they got the first overall pick would take Malik Willis. (laughs) (laughs) Then that's easy. You get Kayvon Thibodeau and you beat, and you beat whoever, what was it? The the Packers? Yeah. Packers are your week 18 team. Easy, easy. Uh, what if it was even worse? What if somehow the Falcons just like the bottom falls out and they end up with the first overall pick and it'd be Malik Willis to Kyle Pitts? <laughs> God. 
<laughs> you just become a you just join Mike Rothstein over there. Don't become a Falcons feed. fan. Don't become a Falcon. <laughs> that is the word. I that is a cursed, cursed, fetid field. Uh, I, I would yeah, take the win, by the way. I'd take I was, was going to say, I, I think I've kind of come over to team get the win. I'm I'm kind of always team win over team tank in general. And in this kind of extreme example, I just I, like I know I know in the record books, it's only a, the difference between one win. But being no, no one remembers the one in 15 teams in history, right? Like, can you name a single one in 15 team in history? Probably not. Right, the Lions, the Lions team. Yeah, By the way, the just just I, I had to look this up, and Tankathon does list Detroit with a strength of schedule of plus of, of um, excuse me, point five five two. The Texans have point five one four. Yeah, so Lions do have the the, the higher strength of schedule. <laughs> Everyone's saying the Dolphins. Yeah, the, I do remember the Dolphins actually, but whatever. Dolphins point. have e- even lower strength of schedule than than the Texans. Right, than right. Texans. and and that's because I mean, look at look at the Texans and the Jets. Look at their divisions that they're playing. Also, a lower strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, like to me, just not just avoiding the record books, avoiding the 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 media outcry, like. How many people are going to write Owen 17 stories and how many people it'll are be a joke are... for a week or so, but then it'll fade because we kind no, of expect... not in Detroit. It won't. It's going okay, to Detroit... months and months and months until the, the team takes the field until they, in September. Well, until they get a win. That's yeah, when it will linger. Exactly. And, and I don't want that for Dan Campbell. I don't want that for the rest of the coaching staff. I don't want that for the veterans on this team that are trying to, to, weather the storm and, and teach these young players to, to weather the storm. I don't want it for the young players who Dan Campbell said last week, like th- they're in a dangerous place emotionally right now where they're, they can be, you know, influenced into, into bad habits if, uh, if things are bad enough. So, and I, like I said, I know one in 16 isn't all that different from one in zero and 17, but it is different and significantly yeah. so. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a short segment where we give out mid season awards um, we're going to try to find some people award enough, wardy enough, awardy enough. And that doesn't work. That doesn't award, work. Award is kind of. It's, we're it's, using it, that in a really generous yeah, term. It's, it's more like more superlatives than. No, than we we, we love superlatives. Not. Superlatives is becoming something I might have to put on the eventual bingo card one day. <laughs> like that, we're just in love with superlatives because we can't say awards because people will be like, "Oh, nobody's earned an award." But we're also millennials, so we believe in participation awards yeah <laughs> sure all right uh we're gonna let Ro- jeremy digest his onions we somehow got through that without burping and no one's re- re- renewed the uh mute yet but let's take a break we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're wrapping up here with, um, we want to call these awards, but at the same time, I think we've agreed there's not really a lot of award worthy behavior happening right now. So I get, and we've beaten to death the word superlative, Jeremy, who is still suffering from the onion an hour after. Um, how is that? How's that going down? It's not great. Um, it's both the stomach and the everlasting taste of an onion in your mouth. It's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Apple, apple cider, man. Apple cider. 
Uh, Ryan, let's start with the uh, superlatives. So I'll start with you while Ryan, while Jeremy is digesting. Um, we've got a whole list here. So I guess we'll start with this and there's not a lot on this, but favorite moment from the season so far. Uh, I'm going to say the first quarter of the Los Angeles Rams game. Um, I, I don't think that, I don't think that there's any point in the season where I had so much just like fun watching the game because my expectations were so low to begin with that everything that transpired in that first quarter from the early onside kick to the, you know, Jack Fox throwing a pass, like everything about that first quarter was like, okay, this is like why I believe in Dan Campbell. Like this is why I think Dan Campbell is going to be the guy that, that helps the lions get over, get over the hump because he's willing to, like he's willing to go out there and try to win a football game that he has no business winning and doing, doing it by, by, you know, whatever, whatever uh, means necessary and available to him. So that's going to be my pick for favorite moment of the season so far. My favorite moment was probably third and 13 against the Baltimore Ravens with 35 seconds left because (laughs) Romeo Aquara chased Lamar Jackson out of bounds for another sack, the second of the drive, setting up an impossible fourth and 19 that there's no chance, given how well this defense was playing, that the Ravens would would convert. And so the Lions had just beaten the Baltimore Ravens 17 to 16. And I don't think I felt better about this season since that moment because damn it, like they were playing some ball and ass football in that game. And offensively too, like the drive that they had right before that, where they just went to Khalif Raymond a bunch of times and, and, you know, set up some creative ways to get him the ball. And our, and our good friend, Ryan Santoso kicks a big field goal to, to put him ahead. I was feeling pretty damn good. Not only about the Lions future, but I was feeling kind of good about the Lions this season being like, Hey, when I said this Lions team was going to win four games, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right in that moment. I thought I was, I, I was on top of the world. It was a, it was a great moment that didn't last very long. <laughs> ephemeral. <laughs> ephemeral. Yes. That's the key word. Uh, I'm going to go away from these ephemerals and I'm going to say it was watching Panay Sewell bully uh, Nick Bosa. I just want to make sure I've got the right Bosa. It, it is Nick Bosa yes. with the, with the Niners. Okay. Just making sure you first meet me and first names bullying Nick Bosa for that entire Niners game back when the season was still young and we were kind of brushing off one loss to what we thought was a good team in the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, yeah, Sewell, no Decker back to left tackle, everyone panicking pancakes, Bosa all day long. Sewell stepping up to Aaron Donald is also uh, one of the, yeah, that's fan- I think that, like, that- that's gotta be up there as well. <laughs> that got spicy too. He got in, he got in Donald's face real good. All right. Um, next one up. This should be a fun one. Dan Campbellisms. Favorite Dan Campbellisms that you have seen so far this year. Hmm. You got one, Ryan? I I don't know if it's so much of a Dan Campbellism as it is just kind of like a soundbite. And I I I I think this one really grew legs after hearing it just because I love seeing every moron who decided to try and actually drink the 
coffee order that Dan Campbell <laughs> I was said. I'm going to use the coffee order too. <laughs> I know the athletic has made it like their punishment, apparently on one of their podcasts or one of their shows. I think it was like lukewarm bets or something where it's like, if they yeah. fail, they have to drink the Dan Campbell coffee order. I, I, I just love, I just love the, like the two venti black and these couple of you know shots and like the sound effects made it like the best part and it was like it was it was such a genuine like just him kind of being you know very you know kind of like himself in front of the media and everything and it was early enough like it was you know that's like early august too right like that's i mean before like you know the preseason really kicks off and everything and everything is still kind of like ah head up in the clouds so that's that, that's yeah. All right. Uh, I think <laughs> I think mine is when he called himself an asshole after he cut Don Milbach on his oh, birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like I was, I wasn't like hugely upset, but I thought it was a pretty dumb move and and something that was easily avoidable. And him just kind of being like, "Yeah, that was a stupid move. I'm an idiot. I'm an asshole." Like, all right, all right we're fine now we're cool now and then of course like they end up hiring him to be part of the staff anyway so it's obviously really cool but uh yeah i thought that was that was one of the i mean that was the first time like he had been presented with a mistake that he had you know made by at least in some people's eyes and i thought his response is really cool and honestly i think he's done a really good job pretty much every time just kind of owning every mistake that he's made The, the fact that he owned the eagles and maybe that maybe that's the dan campbellism is like truthfully owning mistakes and not just like the coach talk, like that's on me and I need to coach players better. It's him saying at the end of the Eagles game, I messed up the end of that half, the end of that first half. I, my time management was terrible. I, I screwed up. I hate, like he literally said, I hate how I played that. And so that to me is, is, a, is something that you really never hear from like how many coaches will tell you right after a game that they messed up something that they messed up something specific like time management everyone every pretty much every, every guy is going to be like you know no there, this is the reason why i did this this is the reason why i did this i don't care what the numbers say like no he's just like i messed up and of course you'd rather him not mess up but i like i like the fact that he owns up to mistakes in, in very human ways it was early enough in the season, and I feel like I, I was going to go with coffee. I will give that one to Ryan because he got it in quick there. Um, besides that, the racing helmet, it just made everyone so mad. <laughs> it made some people just irrationally, just psychotically mad. Like yeah. listening to people like Joy Taylor going like, I feel bad for Lions fans when when that kind of when that's showing up, like who cares? Going like, to the- no, you don't feel bad for Lions fans. You want to, you want to feel good about yourself by making smug, smug, like smug, that. smug, smug. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next my, mine's, mine's short. I don't like the racing helmets. What it is. We've got emojis for it made on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and on the discord. This one too. This one too. Oh, the eyes, the eyes. Yeah. The eyes smile. All right. Uh, most lionsy moment. Uh, I guess this can mean whatever it means. I won't. I know Jeremy wrote this down. I'm not going to let him try to explain it. Just lionsy moment. That is your prompt. Go. You like me to go first? 
You're, we, you're up first in these we, rotations. We set a precedent here. Okay, all right. We set a precedent. I, I, I suppose I'll go first. So the most Lionsy moment was uh, a moment that uh, former Pride of Detroit staff member uh, Monsur pointed out um, on Halloween when the games of the Rams and Texans synced up with the game of the Eagles versus the lions and the lions were trailing 31, nothing and the Rams were winning 31, nothing. And then within like, within like minutes, it was 38, nothing, 38, nothing. Literally the, the most painful lionsy moment ever, maybe ever. It's pretty bad. I, <laughs> I, I think I have to take the easy one here. And it's not just the fact that you lost on a record breaking field goal. It's not just the fact that you gave up a fourth and 17. It's the fact that that happened at home. And it's the fact that that ball bounced off the motherfucking crossbar and shot out of a cannon into the netting behind it. That does not happen to other teams. That is pure unadulterated loins football l-o-i-n-s football that is unbelievable and it can only happen to this team and it's it's an unbelievable moment and i swear to god if, if this team goes 0 and 17 and have to watch that kick ten thousand times every time a team goes 0 and 8 for the rest of time i'm going to lose my fucking mind <laughs> i think for me the lionsy moment i'm going to turn my eye towards the media environment around the lion's sea. Not, not you, Jeremy, but maybe you, I don't know. Um, the amount of people who like lost their minds when they did cut Don Bill back. I don't know another place that would be that. And, and just other small, tiny things like that. Like it's a long snapper. Like I get that he was a long time one here, but like the way I saw some people talking about Dan Campbell's character after that point was kind of uh, between when he, that and I'm an asshole. There was that moment where it's like everyone's just going nuts about this guy over a very, very non, non, I don't even know what the right word is I'm looking for here. Like, it's not that consequential of a move. It's not that serious. No, it wasn't that serious. We, we do love our special teams here, which is, but there's, there's, there's other moves like that. It's confounding to me is why we love Coney dogs. I don't really understand it. Yeah. There, there's other moves where I will see something, but I see this all every year. So like there's something that happens down the depth charter. It was like, why aren't the lions going for guy X out there? And it's like, there's a simple answer to that, but people are still going to lose their minds in the process. Oh, like Odo Beckham. Does anybody know what free Odell really means? No, <laughs> I don't. All right. Next superlative, uh, your worst prediction. Ugh. We had some predictions. Um, do you mind if I take first on this, Ryan? Because I, mine's fresh in my head. Sure. Go ahead. Um, that I would give Jared Goff until Thanksgiving <laughs> before I decided I would write an opinion about him. <laughs> yeah that hasn't happened that 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 i didn't i didn't i didn't hold myself well enough yeah 
That one's pretty bad. Yeah. That was from <laughs> Ryan. Jeremy is the one who reminded me of that a few weeks yeah. ago during a post game show that because you and I had done that, that was, what was that podcast? Jeremy, those back it was from, this, it was a schedule review podcast. The yes. schedule just coming out and you guys were doing some sort of like supportive type thing of at what point will you have made a decision on whether Jared Goff would be the, the quarterback for 2022. I said Thanksgiving. I don't remember what Ryan said. I don't know, but I don't want to talk about it because it's probably <laughs> might, might be bad too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, what's your prediction that you're not proud of? Um, well, um, so mine was technically a bet that I made. Um, so that's kind of like a prediction, right? So sure. Uh, I had a parlay of Jared Goff over 21 and a half passing touchdowns, DeAndre Swift over eight and a half rushing touchdowns, and TJ Hawkinson like over 950 and a half yards receiving or something like that. DeAndre Swift will never rush for eight rushing touchdowns <laughs> in an NFL season. Like not no knock on the guy, but like, he's just not, that's not going to happen. Like there isn't enough like random luck that happens in, in those like goal line or five yard line or in situations to ever get Deandre Swift more than eight rushing touchdowns in a season. I mean, he had had eight last year though. I was a fool. No. Can we talk about also how you made a bet that Justin Tucker wouldn't miss a field goal all year. That's not a lion's prediction. Well, I mean, (laughs) it happens. He missed a field goal. Yeah, and the well, next thing happens when when Caesars put the Lions at to go zero and seventeen at plus one thousand. I put fifty bucks on them. So, ooh, we'll see, see if that's the worst prediction I make this season. Let's get some Christmas gifts, folks. <laughs> uh, I, I since we're on the topic of Lions win totals, uh, I think Twitch new users know what my worst prediction of the season was, and that was, I think, four games into the season, I Same put up a a fifty dollar or I'm sorry, fifty gifted sub bet but the Lions would win at least four games in, in the season and <gasps> not feeling oh, great about that one right now. <laughs> I, I think they'll still probably win a couple brother. Uh, I'm not even feeling good about three and 14 at before the yeah, season. No, I'm not either. And listen, like, I, I don't know. I, it, it was probably short sighted of me, but at the same time, I feel like, I feel like if, if things had gone the right way, just a couple little bounces here and there, Lions probably could have gone, gotten to four wins, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? Um, biggest source of optimism for the future. Ryan. Oh my gosh. This is such a hard question. Yeah. Everything's, everything's, not pretty, everything's pretty about dark. The everything's pretty dark and not just because of daylight savings time. Like this is an especially tough thing to answer coming off the Eagles game. Cause like this, if the Eagles game hadn't had happened, it would have been right. so easy to just say right. Dan Campbell, Dan right. Campbell is my source of optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that the biggest source of optimism is in Chris's wisdom that he shared in that games like the Eagles game, they happen to teams. They happen. Like, and you can ball them up and you can throw them away because aside from that Eagles game, everything else has given me every reason to believe in Dan Campbell and the rest of the coaching staff. Well, I mean, they did have the Bengals game too. They did, but I, I don't know. The, the Eagles game, 
Oh God. Every time I think about it, I think about Jeremy and I think about him going, yeah, 46 carries at 5.1 yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, You'll never see that in NFL that run defense ever again. Needs to get it shit together <laughs> yeah. real fast yeah. or, this, yeah. or yeah. this team is going 0-17. Definitely not my biggest source of optimism. <laughs> uh, I think mine mine still is the coaching staff. I mean, I, I feel, you know what, let's, let's go with Aaron Glenn. Let's just point him out specifically. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to bring this up because I know Chris wants to talk about it, but but before I get to it, I mean, what he's done with that line secondary and, and obviously Aubrey Pleasant deserves some credit as well, but I, I think I think most of the credit probably goes to Aaron Glenn because obviously that's his, his former position as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think the defensive game plan has been consistently good every week, week in and week out. Maybe not so much last week against um, – against the Eagles in which they threw a curveball at, at the, at the lines and they cr- clearly weren't ready for it, but for, for as, as bad as the offense is doing and maybe below expectations, I would say the defense is either at expectations or above expectations. Um, probably above expectations. If you consider all the injuries, right. The injuries to like three or four of their best players um, and, and the release of one of their best players as well. Um, so I, I would say, Aaron Glenn is is the biggest source of, of optimism and let's just hope to God that he isn't poached by someone for a head coaching job this off season, because uh, I have, a, I have a lot of faith in him eventually when he gets the talent, turning that defense into something real. And the, and, and he buried tape, which I think is fun. And like, and I know Chris hates, so that's why I brought it up. I, 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 my, I, I should have done this during a scrap. My only thing about the tape is like, you would have thought it was corny as hell if any other team had done it. Like, remember when Jack Del Rio brought in the, the wood stump and the ax to the Jaguars locker room because he wanted to prove to them chopping wood? Like, yeah, that was, he wouldn't have, <laughs> the, the kicker got injured and had to be cut because of that stupid ax. Well, no, one, no one's going to get injured digging a hole. Are you sure about that? <laughs> It Are you probably, sure about? They probably Jeremy, made it a, an intern do it anyways. So a guy, a guy playing baseball got hurt because he played Guitar Hero. Like, yeah, but that's baseball. Like those guys aren't real athletes. <laughs> see me. See how it sounds when I say it. When you said it about hockey, see how it sounds. See, but here's the thing: I don't <laughs> mind it for certain baseball players, just because, <laughs> like, I look at guys like those with their giant bellies, like Pujols and Cabrera, out there. You can convince you, me that you cannot watch what Connor McDavid did the other night and not say that hockey players aren't athletic. Anyways, <laughs> anyways. Chris, what's yours? What was what was the prompt again? Uh, Reason be- for optimism. 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 Um, I still think it's uh, you know some of the young players. I think Lions had a good draft. I do. Like I know, I know. There's some people. I, I've I've seen some differing agreements now. People are saying the rookies are worse than. You know, some past years, I don't see it like that. I see Ali McNeil balling out. I know we're talking about seeing more out of Levi Onzerike. Uh, we see the optimism with Derek Barnes. Uh, Panay Sewell, you just need to figure out where you're going to put him. And Amon Rouse St. Brown could be more involved with the offense. I thought they drafted fairly well. They're just missing the, the big key piece, which is the quarterback. And probably some more wide receiver depth and figuring out what you're going to do with the tackles. But, I mean... Like, I don't think there, there's like, look, I'm, I'm looking at the Raiders right now where they've wasted so much draft capital and released so many guys uh, for one reason or another that like, I'm looking at the Lions. I don't see that problem. I don't see that problem. It doesn't look like, 
I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone becomes the next tease Tabor or the next, next Jared Davis. I just don't see that right now. I think the next nine games are really going to tell us a lot about a lot of those guys. Cause they're, they're going to get the opportunities, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. One last one. We are going real late with this podcast. Biggest concern for the future. Uh, how much time crap. We're in the last five minutes of this podcast too. We're just getting to this one. Yeah. Here, here's my biggest concern for the future. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. It's that I don't know if this team can establish its offensive identity in this, in this upcoming off season. Like I'm really concerned that like a lot of the problems that the Lions offense has right now is something that isn't going to go away in an off season. Like you, you can't fix it. And again, it comes back to Chris's point. It's the quarterback um, that has a, that has a lot to do with it. But like, I don't think that this team can be the running team that I think that they really want to be. Like, I, I don't think they can put that together in, in a single off season. And, and that's going to make it really hard to watch Lions football for another season. Yeah. I mean, I quarterback was, was going to be my answer and it still is my answer. Um, because listen, I, I, I don't think Jared Goff is a guy. I don't think uh, anyone will, will argue too much with me on that one. Um, and next year, I mean, the lines could very well not go with a quarterback in the draft, which means you're kicking that can down to 2023. And now we're talking about what starting a rookie quarterback in 2023. So we've kicked the can down this year. We're kicking it down in 2022 because we still got Jared Goff and then 2023 team is starting a rookie quarterback. And so now you're talking about this team trying to contend with a rookie quarterback in 2023. You're basically, you're, you're, you're punting almost on three years and saying 2024, that's the year we'll get it. That's the year we'll contend for the NFC North. It should not take that long. I know this is the most rebuildiest of rebuilds. And I know this roster is just about as bad as you can get. But if we're talking year four of Dan Campbell, when this team is targeted to like realistically contend, like that's scary to me. I feel like the, the, the way this team got set up and part of it is their own doing with, with how they, they handled the, the Matthew Stafford trade. They, they did get, Jared Goff and, and showed a lot of faith in Jared Goff. Um, but also part of it is just unlucky that, you know, it doesn't look like this is a great draft class for quarterbacks. So in the end, like the lines are just, sorry about yeah, Malik Willis, whatever. Um, nine, nine sacks. Um, <laughs> all, his it, it, all his fault. It, it, all his fault. It's well, just, this it's is just, what I love about are... Jeremy, by the way, this is, I know, I know we're late and I haven't even done mine yet, but Jeremy, Jeremy is always about, Hey, you got to look past the numbers. You got to look at tape, look at what it does, but that only applies to lions. The minute it goes outside the lions, he becomes box That's score reader horseshit. hero. That's he becomes horseshit. box score reader hero. He doesn't care about the such depth at all. He's just he, looking on a sheet. I'm just saying, trolling nice Ryan. Sacks. No, and he's doing the, a good job of it. <laughs> all I'm saying is that the, the Lions quarterback situation is, yeah. scary and yes. it's i don't know if it gets fixed in the next two years can my concern be dan campbell sure can it still be dan campbell like we're all riding high on it right now i don't but like i don't know how long like if if it's not if, if as you say you go out of the season with no wins or low or still only one win and it's not like the culture doesn't catch on and then it's going to be a very hard reset again. And it's going to like, I, 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 you need to hope, hope that 
after this year, it continues to pay dividends in that off season, because if it doesn't, then it can sink quite a bit more. He hasn't lost the locker room yet, but I know, but I can still be concerned that oh, at absolutely. Any point it falls off a cliff. Right. That's what I'm, I mean, I'm saying like this team goes 0 and 17. It's even, even the most motivated guys are, it's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah. Look like Dan Campbell, what he was being accused of coming in here was basically being Ben McAdoo that he's in over his head. And I don't think that's true, but at the same time, like, the way he coaches, once he loses that touch, I don't think that comes back. Like, I don't know. It's it's going to be hard to just kind of, you know, once you lose the motivation, it's hard to keep it rolling. And that's it. This has been a very long podcast. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> You're looking for me to extend it. No, I'm trying to, I'm giving you an out to close. close no, I, I know, I know, but I'm deep in beers. Now I'm like, this is my third beer tonight. So congratulations. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. It's, <laughs> it's been a great accomplishment anyway. Uh, shall any final words, guys? Donate. Don't, don't eat onions. Don't eat onions. That's a good lesson. Whether but you're biting what have you learned today? Or... Don't eat yes. onions. Don't, don't do this. Bad. Showing an onion on, on stream. <sighs> Go loins. Ryan, you want to take us out of here? Uh, we will see you. Be kind. Wow. I'm, I, I'm offended. <laughs> How are you, Jeremy? Are you offended I, at that? I, I just Frankenstein your outro. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's a portmanteau of Portman Toe! <laughs>